Welcome back to Deck and Dorks. We're the 12 sided guys. We have Matt playing Pine. Hi. Scott playing Roos. That's me. Sabrina playing Nari. Hey there. Jordan playing Richter. Good evening. And me, Paul, playing God with all of the little Korok backpackers running around Hyrule. <laughs> <laughs> We're glad you made it this far and now get to enjoy the endgame excitement as Nari and the boys confront the inevitable. Well, that is if they can make it through the gauntlet prepared for them. Why not come and chat with us on Discord about the podcast? And if you want more 12-sided guys goodness, then go check out Patreon. The links for those are both in the description. Also, on most Monday nights, I've been streaming my world-building process for Campaign 2 over on Twitch. So you can come hang out with me. The username is Dr. McCracken, D-R-M-C-C-R-A-C-K-I-N. Anyway, if you ever used rocket skates to get to an island hot tub party, then this podcast is for you. It's the Crystal Codex, episode 114. Are you kidding me? Did you just reference what I think you referenced? <laughs> I'm, pretty, I'm, I'm pretty sure that you... I was like, Matt's going to get it. Matt's oh, I'm such it. a poindexter. Oh, oh my gosh. Uh, toe Jam and Earl. Yes, Toe Jam and Earl. Oh, jeez. I <laughs> oh, played wow. that one. That takes me back. I, don't, I didn't beat that one, but I did play that one. Oh, I never beat it either. I just thought it was so funny. I thought it was so fun. So yeah. why do the Koroks stuff their backpacks so full that they can't move anymore? Like, that's not practical. Because it's adorable. It's so cute. They're just kind of stupid, I think. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys. Well, anyway, welcome back to the Tower of Iramil as you uh, venture down deep underground. Last time we were together, uh, you actually managed to make it into the tower, the base where the statue of Iramil, where the Zord had rested for thousands of years. Uh, um, along with Nari and the boys, we also had Master Saman and Librarian Colbury uh, accompanying you. As you got into the base of the tower, you were uh, confronted with some of these angels that had been appearing out of cracks in reality. Uh, these armored angels and um, fiery angels that the JV team and the Snow Patrol had already faced off against. After vanquishing those angels, you um, you took a staircase that wound around the outside of the tower all the way to the top. As you arrived at the top, you saw Mordecai, the prophet, who was um, telling you to turn around, that, that this was supposed to happen, and that um, should you try to go forward, and then you basically just said, you know what, I'm tired of listening to this guy, and you attacked him. And he was bathed in some kind of celestial power and had the powers uh, of an angel. Uh, he was also accompanied by Battle Cat. Yeah, the Celestial Lion that came and helped him in combat. Uh, you all took a little bit of damage, I do believe, but you were able to um, put him away fairly quickly. I don't think he had a turn. There is a hole in the top of this tower surrounded by crackling energy. Somebody tossed a coin in and you saw that it was you know, going slower than it should. Um, there were statues all around the room as you depressed the hands of the statues, all four of them. All of the electricity turned off and you were all able to leap into this pit that descended down, down, down for at least an hour um, as you descended deep beneath the surface of the earth. You all got a long rest. Wait, was it a long rest or was it a short rest? Short rest. Did I say long rest? Yes, but we did the math, so we got a short rest. As we're descending via Featherfall, that's 
basically, you know, 60 feet per six seconds, so 10 feet per second. What did we come up with, Paul? 36,000 feet, so like seven miles. Yeah, like seven miles beneath the surface of the Earth at this point. Wow. Dude, that's got to be so warm. We haven't even dug that far on our own planet. Well, this isn't... uh, Well, (laughs) it's a flat Earth. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) But I thought we saw the globe. You guys, as you descend um, at this point, the light starts to pick up at the bottom of this pit ground. You can see that this chamber, this hole that, you're, that you've been falling down in, is a it's a pit straight down uh, into the earth. There is writing written on the stones that line the walls of this pit. And um, you guys could not read the writing. It was in some other language. I think that at some point, Roos may have checked with his scarf. I'm not sure. But wait. His scarf does not work for reading. We already determined that. <laughs> yeah, because I have to use it by like holding it up to my eyes and like covering my face and I can't see through it. It just it's cumbersome. <laughs> so um, as you descend, you now you can see the floor and you all alight gently upon the floor. You see that you are in this uh, like 20 by 20 foot square room. Again, the walls around you are lined with this script of this language that you don't understand. And on the north wall, there is a very large, um, like probably 12 foot tall double door that is chased with gold filigree. Looks very old, very well made, uh, very um, old. I don't know what the last (laughs) word is. I was going to say ancient, then I realized I already said old. Are there seams? (laughs) There are no seams. All right, so Saman and Colby are here with you. Nari and the boys, here you stand in this room. Well, I'm not looking forward to uh, going up that. Right, I, I'm i wondering if this is kind of where we're going to stay, guys. Well, I, I do have these shoes that would let someone climb up the wall. <gasps> that, uh, that's it. I'm sure that we can find a way out, but it might be cumbersome. Seven mile hike up and then drop the shoes down. An hour later, somebody else can start their hike. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's so easy. An hour or... later? How fast are you hiking, Mr. No, no, I mean, I mean once the <laughs> shoes <laughs> drop. <laughs> yeah, the shoes will take an hour to hit the ground. Oh, uh, yeah. okay. I thought you were just taking an hour to cruise seven and a half miles straight up in a vertical. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that sounds exhausting, everyone. Well, so what are we... What do you make of this door? Right? Did I say did you say there was a door? I was busy reading what Sabrina had sent us about the Cola Super Deep Borehole. It's a nine-inch diameter, seven and a half foot long hole that we dug. It's that, that very was dug. Yeah. To be honest. <laughs> wow, um, seven and a half feet? That's that's uh... oh, sorry, seven and a half mile. <laughs> <laughs> it was seven feet deep. One oh, man. Oh gosh. No, you guys don't even understand. That's like <laughs> That's taller than my crawl space. It was so big. (laughs) (laughs) At least seven inches. (laughs) Seven and a half miles. But it's only nine inches, nine inch diameter. So anyway, I'm sorry, Paul. What did you say was in the room? You're fine. Uh, It's a 20 by 20 foot room. There is nothing besides a door on the north wall. And then there's this writing all around the outside. Who wants to open this door? No, no, let's read what it says. Can anybody read this writing? What does it say? Salmon and, and Colbury shrug. They don't. They don't read it. 
Cobra actually pulls out a book and starts looking through it. And if you guys are going to be sitting in here for a while, he actually pulls out a piece of paper and starts doing like a chalk uh, sketching of some of the word, some of the letters. Hmm. Is this, so this isn't the Allele language then? I'm going to go take a peek in through the door. Wait, are you going to go open the door? With the, uh, hold on, I'm going to have Squire help me a little bit. I'm going to try and stealth in. Well, you're and... actually going in the door? You're Wait, opening the door? Yeah, you're sure. just doing that? Wait, no, okay. what? what? Uh, Falls uh, deep. All right. In. I got a 20 for stealth to open the door and sneak, okay. my, sneak in. Okay, go ahead. All right. Wow, we're yeah. not hey, getting any answers. Go, we killed the prophet before we got any answers, and Roos is just heading in the door when I'm like, what do those words say? Yeah, oh, is I'm, it dark I in here? Because like... I can't see. Yeah. <laughs> Have you guys seen Roos? I feel like I haven't so, seen him in a minute. So Roos, okay, so here's the deal. Roos opens the door and sneaks out, and Roos is literally not in the room anymore. The door shuts behind him. Roos, as you stand outside, all you can see is, I mean, it's pitch black around you, but at, at a distance... You can see light. You can see um, further ahead of you, like maybe like 30 or 40 feet, um, there is light. You can also see that it looks like there's these um, channels that run left to right across, you know, east to west, whatever. If you're down at the south part of this room, um, there's these channels. One of them looks to be glowing with like flame and fire. And the other one looks to have like a glistening uh, wet uh, surface to it. That is what you can see. And at the far end, you can see there is this pedestal. And on this pedestal, there is an altar. And on top of the altar, there is some kind of an orb. And behind that, you see another door that looks exactly um, identical to the door that you just came through. But again, right around you, you have no clue what is around you. Now, back to the inside. So I think it reads, here may be found the last words of Joseph of Arimathea. (laughs) He who is valiant and pure of spirit may find the Holy Grail in the castle of Ah. Perhaps it was dictated. Oh, I could be wrong, though. Anyway, where's Roos at? I don't... Okay, we have to be careful. Apparently, we can be separated magically without anybody being aware. He was standing right next to me. I didn't even see him leave. I mean, to be honest, I want to know what this says because I need some answers, right? I mean, the prophet didn't cough up anything and I want to know what the hell is going on. Well, I don't think we have time to get a linguistics degree here. No, but Colbury, like you got, you can, you can do this with magic, right? Uh, I don't have that spell. But you know, it's too etchings. bad that Roos, Roos, I believe, has an, the ability to understand other languages, but he disappeared. <laughs> Roos is going to step back into the room. <laughs> Wait, are you sneaking back in the room though, or do we? Oh yeah, one hundred percent. I still okay, have a so twenty you just, spell. You appear. Okay. You literally walk back in as they're saying, "But Ruth disappeared." Good heavens, there he is. Wait, you have a twenty stealth. Nari totally would have noticed you because her passive is high enough. Oh yeah, yes. your passive. You would have seen me. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah, my passive is twenty. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I I know exactly what you did. That bastard, Bruce. <laughs> <laughs> Cobra's in the middle of saying um, that uh, he says, "Well, if I could get these etchings, well, I mean that might be a little late for that, but uh, I know that um, Librarian Berta up in uh, Arkovi could probably read these." Maybe we should have brought a different librarian with us. <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> <sighs> so I took a peek in the hall in the on the other side of the door. There's an altar up ahead and some sort of fire ice channels running through the room. It's uh, up ahead, maybe 40, 50 feet 
beyond the door. I didn't see anyone in there, but I um, I can't see in the dark, so I, my vision was pretty obscured. Um, I could see the light from the fire or the lava, whatever it was on the floor. Oh, I, I got a red candle. We can we can take it with us, but really quick, Rus, can you can you read the words on the outside of this door? So the way this scarf works, like to read words, I have to like cover my eyes and I like try and read it like Braille. I can get a little bit, but it doesn't. I, I'm not great at doing it. So that's a no. <laughs> <laughs> I think technically the item can, but I like so early on in the campaign, I think we said I couldn't. I well, don't know we why. didn't say you couldn't. You just <laughs> said you couldn't. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, let me let me try. And Roos is going to take the scarf and like cover his eyes with it and just kind of put his hands on the wall. Um, as you put your hands on the wall, you can see that it's actually, it seems like uh, you're starting in the middle of a sentence as you start to detect what is being said. Um, and it doesn't read I imagine left he's doing it kind of sensually too. He's like, ooh, <laughs> oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, talk to me, girl. And I'm, I'm glancing back at Samen as, as I'm like, <laughs> oh, I feel those ridges. Oh yeah. Ooh, oh my this goodness. is a serif font. <laughs> you know oh how I feel goodness. about serifs. <laughs> it is a serif font, actually. It is celestial. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh man. Uh, there's, there's an English major out there that's still laughing at that joke. <laughs> Um, as you start to detect what the words are saying, you detect a couple of different things. Uh, one of the lines, because it seems like it's a pattern of repeating lines. One of the lines seems like some kind of an incantation. And after a short time, you determine that the literally the words on these stones are what create the Featherfall effect. And then another part uh, talks about the elements and the elements uh, working together as one and... Um, the importance of the five working together to make Captain Planet. <laughs> Go Planet! Uh, no, to um, the the five coming together to uh, to bring order. Well, I think it's. I'll just say what you said. Okay. <laughs> the five elements coming together to bring order, as well as a featherfall incantation. All right. So I mean. Do you suppose this having reference to the, the fact that the keys opened the path to this area, or are we maybe in for a, a rematch with a couple heralds? No, I, I think it's talking about the heralds doing their missions in order to work together to bring about the end. And we stopped them. A few of them. Temporarily, but yeah, we stopped them. Okay. Well, we only got what? What do we say? Six hours before Amavi comes back. <laughs> well, I guess let's push on. Okay. I'll bring the red candle this time. We'll be able to see what's in the other room. Also, Roos, thanks for checking that door for traps so that the rest of us didn't get exploded. <laughs> oh, of course. Yeah, I mean, I just was, you know, doing my thing, sneaking onto the other side. Before we move through, though, Colbury, I did want to say... Keep yourself safe. Obviously, you don't want to die, but keep yourself safe, because if we do confront Iremil, we have this very powerful weapon that I think you're the only one among us suited to use. I think that means we need to keep Cobra safe. Right, but I mean, like, don't run in there and, like, try to stab it or something. 
<laughs> he shakes his head. He lets out a big gulp, like uh, like like a, a nervous gulp, and he says, uh, "I I have no intention of running in and stabbing anything. Maybe this is a good time to say what I've been thinking about this whole trap. If if Iramil is anything like these heralds, killing him will be temporary, and he'll just come back." I think we need to incapacitate him somehow and then use this trap on him. Like Ganondorf. Ooh. Exactly. So I guess what you're saying is, Roos, that you don't think we should do like a Pokemon approach? No. I, I'm worried that if we use the tool on him and he's strong and aware, then he'll just shrug it off. So we're like and straight then- up knock him out and then use it on him. Exactly. Okay. I'm down for that, but if it comes to it, if we're, if it comes to it where we're not able to, and yeah, we've weakened him somewhat, or it's our last ditch effort, obviously we'd want to use it. Of well, course. What if I, what if I use like a, a witch, witch bolt of some sort and, and keep zapping him with a beam and Colbury hits him with a beam and then you deploy it underneath him <laughs> and then it like sucks him into the trap. As long as we don't like cross I've seen the streams. That before. <laughs> yes. I feel like that works before. I'm pretty sure. Ray, what did you do? <laughs> well, let's go through the door, everyone. All right. Huzzah, I'm gonna, you first with your red candle. I'm going to sneak back through. I'll, I'll go stealthily. We'll, we'll try to be try to be stealthy about it. Oh, yeah, let's let's sneak. Okay, who's going out? I'm, I'm going out. You want me to roll stealth again? I know. We'll keep your same stealth. I rolled an 11. I can give advantage to somebody, like like Sabrina. Yeah, Nari got in that one, so if uh, I could get advantage, that would be fantastic. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some stealthy pointers. Alright, cool. So I, I now got to an eleven. You and I have an eleven too. <laughs> oh, man. What did Richter get? Um for stealth a fourteen. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Saban and Colbry are not very stealthy as well. Uh, Colbry only got a seven. Saban <laughs> at least got a got a, a, a 14. So, all right. we're, so we're also bad at sneaking. We're basically, we're all doing the exaggerated sneak walk from the cartoons going, <laughs> sneak, sneak. <laughs> and, and the reason so it's why like it's an episode loud. of Scooby-Doo's right, or Scooby-Doo right now. We're we're just singing the we're singing what Kronk sings when he's trying to escape oh with uh, God, yes. with Cusco. <laughs> okay, oh. you guys, you guys come out of this room, and you see now with the light of the red candle, you can see that you are in this smaller kind of circular room. This this room that you were in, this four by this twenty by twenty uh, room, is in the middle of a larger space. Uh, it's probably about um, seventy or eighty feet uh, diameter circle, and you can see that there's a, a hallway that heads north that room you had seen through because now you can see that that opens up into a larger room. You can see that there are two big pillars there in the middle of the room holding up the ceiling, but you can see on the right side there is just some flames crackling and lighting up uh, along these two channels that run right to the midlight of the room. And then on the other side, uh, going away, uh, the other side, the uh, two channels are full of what looks like water. And so you have fire and water meeting together right in the middle of the room. Well, this room looks like there's there's more around us in the back too. Let me uh, 
Let me take a quick stroll around, see if there's any other passages. Yeah, um, you go walking around this small circular room, a small, small compared to the room up above, um, this uh, like 70 foot diameter room that you are in. And it looks like there is nothing to be seen besides a couple of pillars like uh, built into the wall that are holding up the ceiling. Uh, and again, I Except forgot to mention- Except I rolled a natural 20 on my investigation to touch every brick and find the <laughs> secret door. <gasps> is it gonna work? And Nari is going to follow <laughs> behind him just to make mm-hmm. sure he's being okay and not not dying. Well, with your investig- actually gonna find a secret door. It's with gonna your- happen, guys. <laughs> First off, I never said to roll an investigation. I rolled a nat twenty, so there's gotta be there's gotta be a secret door. <laughs> What is happening tonight, you guys? What is I think happening? we're all really nervous about what comes next. <laughs> okay, so we'll say with your investigation, with your 20 investigation, um, you, um, I mean, what you notice is not in this room that you're in. There's nothing about this circular room that you are in, um, but the room up ahead, the one that opens up and has the, the two channels of fire and the two channels of water, as well as the uh, the dais at the end with the, with the altar and the ball on top, um, fire and water um you get the distinct impression um that this far under the earth uh and the heralds having done their job that this very well may be some kind of pool of energy or power that um Ciros and Yasaro uh had been accumulating this very well could be uh, a reservoir of the power that they had um, been draining from Pavantis. Well, let's go closer. I think, I think what we're seeing here is the efforts of the heralds that succeeded in their mission. I, I guess going forward is the only option we can do. As you move into this room, you can see that it is wide. It is uh, running east to west. Um, these channels actually, they meet together in the middle of the room, but then they head off, the fire heads off to the east and the water heads off to the west into these larger pools, like 25 feet um, uh, square pools on the east is full of fire and lava and heat and on the uh, west is water and it looks like that those pools might actually go beyond like underneath the walls on the far sides of this room Um, but you can feel the heat coming off of the fire side Um, and other than that there's really it's surprisingly quiet the crackle of flame and the um, the slight like sloshing of water as it's uh, sliding around in these uh, in these uh, narrow channels. Uh, the channels are about five feet wide and then they stretch like 30 feet um, into the east and to the west. Um, and there's a five foot uh, uh, like walkway between the two channels. So it looks like to get across the room towards the dais where that um, altar and the ball as well as the other door on the opposite end of the room, uh, you'd have to leap over these channels. All right, well, I lived a full life. I think I'll take the first jump. I, I, that, that seems excessive. Fine, <laughs> we'll go over to the water side. And, okay. And uh, he'll attempt to leap over this first water channel. Okay. Ooh. Can you leap five feet? I, my strength is more than five, and I did a running start, so yes. Okay. You leap across. You are now standing on the uh, the walkway, the uh, the little walkway between the two channels of water. As you look to the left and to the right, you can see that there is um, these large, vast pools. And as you as you look at them, you can see 
From this distance, it's kind of hard to tell, but you get the impression that these pits are deep. Potentially no bottom at all, just full of water and flame. I don't know what this these pools say about uh, our understanding of the shape of Pavantis, but I think they go on forever. Well, I can't let Mr. Pine go alone, so Nari will also hop over the, uh, the river and stand by him and hopefully get over the next one as well. Yeah, P- Pine will hop over to the next, so yeah, from the middle walkway over to the, the side with the altar to the north. Russell follows suit um, on the opposite side of that pillar from Nari and Pine. Okay. Richter is excited because he has had an Eldritch invocation that he almost has never used called the Justicar's Leap, and at will, he can activate it to triple his jump distance. And his <laughs> his activation thing is him yelling, jump! And that's it. Whoa. Fantastic. Richter, it turns out this whole time you were a Dragoon slash Lancer. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> we should have got you a spear. That's right. I, I never knew I had it in me. Oh, gosh. Um, as you guys are, um, you, you everyone has now leapt across. Saman and Colbri as well leap across. Uh, on this far side of the channels, there are these two large pillars. They're about 10 foot in diameter uh, that are holding up a ceiling that is, you know, easily 50, 60, 70 feet up into the air. Um, uh, Colbri starts to kind of walk around the outside of these this chamber on the far side, looking at the walls. And again, there is this script um, all around the um, all around the walls. Um, I want everyone to make a perception check. Pine rolled a 15 with advantage because of his awesome cane. Bruce got a 16. Uh, Nari got a 13. And Richter got a 14. Whoa! Those are the lowest perception scores I think I've ever seen in this game. Um, But... It's enough for Roos and Pine. Um, as you guys leap across and you're kind of looking around this room, first off, you do all feel that quiet. I wouldn't call it an oppressive quiet. You do get this sense of power and of weight, uh, not like not like oppressing you, but just that there is power and importance in this chamber. But Roos and Pine specifically as you leap across and you start looking around the room both of you notice a slight glow coming from the orb on the altar that's on the uh, the dais rock me on the dais <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't call it an oppressive silence sorry, sorry I, was, I was trying to remember more of what Paul said <laughs> just an important silence I don't know. just an important silence now Russ will walk up to the dais and not touch the orb, but try and um, examine it closer. I got a 27 investigation check. Okay. As you get closer, it's this, it's, it's like, it looks gray. It's almost like, like this, it's the same uh, color as the altar and the dais that it's, that it's built upon. And as you get closer with your investigation of 27, um, the glow, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's pulsing. And you can tell it's actually pulsing right along with your heartbeat. With my heartbeat? You think it is, yeah. Or or, or a heartbeat? Ew, gross. Uh, Master Saman, can you come closer? I want to see if this is my heartbeat or yours that the that the orb is synced, synced with. Pine will turn to Nari and say, He's going to test it because when Saman gets closer, his heartbeat's going to speed up because he's twitterpated. <laughs> and then well, he'll see if it 
increases the rate of that uh, pulsing. Well, there's that, but also, you know, when you get closer, your cycles sink, including <laughs> your heartbeats. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how Nari flunked human growth and development. We've already established we're all on the same cycle at this point. We're all synced. <laughs> oh my gosh. As oh, as Master man. Salmon steps up closer to this orb, um, it still seems to be in sync with you, Roos, until Master Salmon steps a little bit closer to the orb, and then it changes. And it seems like, as you uh, talked about his heartbeat, he like, starts actually checking his pulse. He's like, I think it's matching my pulse at this point. Hmm. And again, at the far end, on the you guys are close now to this far door on the north wall. Is there any writing on the dais? On the dais? No. I'm really nervous about this thing matching your heartbeats. I don't like to think what it could do to us if we got too close or if it, I don't know, went off. What if I covered it in like a blanket and threw it in the lava? I mean... Maybe all the you know all of the Palantir aren't accounted for. Who knows who could be watching? <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> it's a shame we didn't take that green cloak that the you know your older brother took, Nari. I think that would have been fit to grab this and then throw in a fire. It was gaudy and worthless. Colby, <laughs> Colby <laughs> comes up and he starts examining it as well. Um, and he gets starts to get closer and closer and looking at it, uh, not touching it, but you can tell that the that the 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 pattern has changed now, and now it seems to be matching. Uh, must be Colbury's heart rate. I don't like this thing getting a measure of each of us. I'm gonna stay away from it. Yeah, you're not gonna get my data, government. <laughs> I wonder. <laughs> I wonder if this is an unfinished project of one of the heralds. That makes sense. It could be the from uh, Mavi, the Herald of Mind, that's stealing the life force of the people. Yeah. Colbury looks over to the left and to the right, and um, he kind of shakes his head. He looks at the orb again, and he's it's like, it's like a perfect sphere. I don't think this is, I don't think this is incomplete at all. I think this is, I think this is complete. I don't know what it does, but I don't think this is the same as the fire and the water. Well, should we risk it? Should we try and pick it up and throw it in the fire? I mean, he says we can always just walk right by it, and there's a door to the north. We can just walk past it. I, I think I'm on that that page. What if I were to take my sword and strike it with my sword? Roos takes two steps backwards. That's a silly question. I mean, obviously I should do this. <laughs> Nari is very far away. <laughs> If you want to try to hit it with your sword, that's fine. I just maybe don't use, you know, the sword you got from Kenig if you have a spare. Wait, Master Seaman, those iron gauntlets, could you use them to pick up the orb? Oh, the the, the lead? Yes, lead, pardon me. Yeah, yeah, no, he, he reaches into like a pouch and he, remember, uh, Master Seaman has a big box on his back. Um, he uh, reaches into a pouch on his side and he pulls out a lead-lined glove, lead lining the um, the palm of the glove. And he he holds it out to you, Roos. He says, if you want to try. All right. How heavy does this thing look? Would it need to be like somebody as strong as Inari to potentially palm it one-handed? Okay, all right. Roos hands the glove to Nari. Nari will put it on and will walk on up very reluctantly, might I add. 
I wasn't trying to volunteer you. I was just thinking maybe one glove for Roos wouldn't be enough. No, it's fine. I, I definitely am the most uh, physically... <clears throat> imposing. Yes. <laughs> uh, and Nari will try to one-handedly palm this uh, ball. Okay. When you palm the ball, um, why don't you roll, make a perception check? Okay, cool. Uh, so, oh my god, was 15. As you reach out and touch this orb with this lead-lined glove, um, with a 15 perception, you touch it and you start, you start to like try to pull it up. You realize it's actually attached to the altar. Um, it's made of the same stone, but while the, where the altar is square, and when you're looking at this orb, it is, it is perfectly smooth. It is like a perfectly smooth sphere. The altar looks more like it was carved by hand, by expert craftsmen, uh, yes, but you can tell that the altar itself is not as perfect and precise as this orb. As you touch it, though, with this glove on, you hear in your head, mm, 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 you hear some mumbling um, in your head. Very quiet, very faint. With a 15 perception, you cannot um, understand what is being said. I feel like when I touched it, I could almost hear something trying to communicate to me, uh, but I, I wasn't able to get any sort of information, so... Few there are who understand it, but in the common tongue it says, <laughs> One ring to rule them all. One ring to find them. Yo, dog. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure there's going to be much we can get from this, unless if Roos, maybe maybe you and your uh, scarf can get some sort of understanding out of the uh, the ball. Do we want to? Oh man, it's, it, these are this room looks to be a repository for at least two of the Herald's efforts. I'm worried what this orb, what its purpose is. I don't think we can trust anything stored here to not do us harm. Remember, just to get here. We had to pass through lights that turned one guy into a freaking tree. <laughs> <laughs> they were just lights. I mean, imagine what a perfectly smooth sphere that whispers to your mind could do. It, it felt like it felt like the whispers were muffled, though. I almost am worried that it's being suppressed by the powers that are here. Make an insight check. Well, the muffled might might be the the lead lining in the glove, the gauntlet. Don't make an insight check. <laughs> Well, it's too late. I did for twenty. You think Roos is probably right that the lead-lined lining of the of the glove uh, was uh, muffling the the connection to your brain? Well, maybe that's for the best. Then. Maybe <laughs> exactly. we should just keep on going through that door. I think it's probably a good idea to maintain a good separation between your brain and whatever we find down here. All right. I guess let's 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 press on. Go through that door. As you step away from the orb, you can see its light start to diminish a little bit, and it's and the and the pulsing of it slows to a steady um, a steady light as you step about ten feet away from it. Like it's not detecting anybody anymore. Looks like Roos and Nari have made it up to the door on the north wall. It is um, I like the door uh, that you came in through. It is. Um, a large door, probably 12 feet tall. It has uh, golden filigree and, and um, chasing on it. It looks very well made. It also looks very ancient and very, very sturdy. I wonder, do you have any extra lead in that chest of yours, Samen? I might just like put a piece of lead over the top of it like a blanket. Smother it. 
he shakes his head and says, no, we definitely need the lead that's lining this box. Dang it. Man, why doesn't anybody ever carry around big sheets of lead anymore? <laughs> remember, remember Richter yeah. back in our day? I mean, every soldier was issued a sheet of lead. <sighs> oh, no good old days. And a 10-foot pole. And no one uses a 10-foot pole anymore. Does anybody know a radiologist? I'm sure they have, like, a lead blanket. Now, we had an onion tied to our belt, and that was the style at the time. <laughs> so Saman will take the glove back from Nari, and he will walk up to the dais, and he will just drape the glove over the orb. And he says, is this, do you think this is what we should do? Don't you need that for the swords? No, you need that. He takes it back. Yeah, let's, let's press on. <sighs> Unless if somebody wants to touch it sans glove. Colbury kind of starts wandering back over towards it. Colbury, <laughs> take a chill pill, Boroski. <laughs> He's like, I've never seen anything like this. It is, uh, it's, it's perfect. Yeah, well, because you never came out to play bocce with me, man. <laughs> I had two, like, solid steel note stripes or anything on them. <laughs> Yeah, Mr. Pine and I, we played bocce, what was it, every Saturday for a couple of years when we were out in Arkelby. And you were like, no, I got these books. I got to read. And you like put your glasses back up your your nose and you're like, total nerd. (laughs) I mean, we were playing in his office around him. Okay, (laughs) listeners, listeners. We are all extremely nervous, and that's the energy that you are hearing right now in, in what we're doing. Pine, Pine, come come over here for just a moment. Okay. When Pine gets within, I think it's 10 feet for your aura, right? Yes. I'm going to reach out and grab the orb. Okay. <gasps> this is such a dork. Pine steps forward, and Richter reaches out and touches the orb before anyone can stop him. Richter. Your eyes roll back in your head. You don't fall. You're you're rooted in place. And you hear a voice in your head. Now, for everybody else, this happens in split second. But, Richter, you hear a voice in your head and you actually recognize it a little bit. And the voice you hear says, Ignorant meddlers, you should have left. Heeded the words of my chosen vessel Mordecai. But now... Here you are with no way out but forward to me. You must know I will try to stop you, and I will most likely succeed. Flame and flood have passed, but I assure you the next room is not empty. While I admit it's too late for you to live out what is left of your days here on Pavantis in relative peace and comfort, as you are here now and there is no way back to the surface, it is not too late to give up this vain and ignorant quest you find yourselves on. Give yourselves to my surviving heralds, and they will make your end quick. Ooh. And then your hand bounces off the orb. For everybody else, it looks like he touched the orb and was basically shocked and, and, he, and he recoiled. Uh, so Richter is kind of scowling hard at that, and then he's going to go ahead and reiterate exactly what you just told me, so that way everybody else knows. Well, did you tell him to suck it? No, dang it, I should have said. <laughs> You're so good at those. You're so <laughs> quippy. <laughs> Also, he said there's no way out, but I think we already found a solution. <laughs> with Roos's special shoes, it'd take yeah. us a couple days to all get out of there, but I think we, we, we could make it work. Can you imagine a seven-mile hike straight up? Oh, my gosh. I'm not sure we have a couple days, though. I think that's the problem. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, Irmiel doesn't know as much as he thinks he does. We got special shoes. 
even the way he phrased it, he didn't even sound too convicted of his own certainty. It, it sounded like, you know, I, I will have to fight you and I will most likely say it's almost like he doesn't even know himself. Well, I've got this ball gag I've kept in my backpack for years. That's probably what's oh, got him scared. Love looking, that. At, looking at semen. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in Fallen Heaven, we used to use ball gags all the time. All right, Nari's going to kick down this door just to get away from these guys. <laughs> just to get away from the awkwardness. Yes. Nari, you kick open this door. As you go and put your boot to it, um, you expect more resistance than it gives. It opens freely and makes not a sound as it opens into another room. Um, Let me show you what you can see through the door. On the other side of this door, again, it's a large room. This one is, um, it looks pretty much the same size as this second area that you guys were just in. Um, It looks like it opens up into a room that stretches off to the east and to the west. You can see that there are channels that run down the middle of this room in an identical pattern to the one that you are currently standing in. There is also another dais with an altar and a ball and a door at the far end. But these channels are different. The channel on the left is not actually a channel. It looks like it's actually rows of stone and dirt. And the channels on the right, on the east side of the room, look to be pits that have nothing in them at all. Well, I wonder if the ones on the right are filled with air, which to the naked eye would just look like nothing. Kind of a it's kind of a cop-out just to have channels full of just air. But imagine, what if it was a channel filled with mind? Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> you guys are all still standing back in the previous room, but you can see into this new chamber. Oh no, Nari's gonna, Nari's gonna bust on through. All right, you guys start to move into this new room and spread out. We are going to stop right where you're at right now. To the left. To the left on the west side of the room, you can see piles of rocks and dirt where the pit was. Remember, the the chambers led off to the sides of the room. And on the east side, the the pit in the the previous room was fire. In this room, it looks like it's a big, just open 25 foot by 25 foot pit of nothing and on the west side it looks like it's actually like a 25 foot by 25 foot pile of rocks and dirt and as you come into this room before anybody can do anything else rising up out of the dirt and stone this brown and rocky figure comes rising up out of the dirt Uh, recognizable especially to Nari, this angelic form of this decrepit and stooped over, uh, made out of stone, this angel rises up. It even has these wings, but they look like they are um, of no use to this creature. Um, You see Avalan, the, uh, uh, the herald of Earth, rises up on the west side of the room. And... This at the exact same again. at the exact same time you see a figure that none of you have seen 
rising up out of the pit. You see this figure cloaked in white and at the base of its robe, it looks like it's robed with a, with a hood, no face where, um, where the face should be underneath the hood. And as the robe and cape kind of trail down, they disappear into like wisps of mist and smoke. And um, Trophos, the Herald of Air, has entered the room as well. And at this point, we are going to roll initiative. Nara, you take the one on the left. The rest of us will take the one on the right. <laughs> that seems fair. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. Uh, Nari got a 10 for initiative. Roos got a 14. Pine got an 18. And Richter got a 21. All right. Uh, Colbury got a 1. boy. <laughs> Saman got a 15. So here's the question, everybody. Do you think these technically count as their layers? So I would... I would, I would much rather not have them have layer actions. No, yeah, clearly this is not their layer. I mean, that would be preposterous. No, nobody believes these are their layers. That would be silly. 25 foot by 25 foot space of rocks? Come on, that's not a layer. If anybody said that these were their layers, they're clearly foolish. That's all. Um, I want Nari and the boys all to make perception checks. Uh, Nari, you can make it with advantage. Pine got a 16. Roos got a 25. Nari got a 23. Ooh, Richter got a nat one for a five. Okay. Um, Roos and Nari, as you are looking at these figures, you've never seen Trophos before, but you've definitely seen Avalan, especially you, Nari. But Nari and Roos, you both notice his form seems less substantial than it did beneath the farm in Menarest. Um it seems like this figure of Avalan has still not completely healed from the damage dealt to him uh, just basically two weeks ago. But before you can voice that, we are going to start this battle, and it is Trophos's turn with a 22 initiative. Trophos is going to, you know what? Yes, Trophos is going to, let's measure this out. Oh my gosh. Get the f*** out. Get out. <laughs> we haven't had to bleep you in a while. Oh my gosh. All right, everybody. Everyone needs to make a constitution saving throw difficulty 19. Everyone except for Colbry. So Nari, Roos, and Saman all get to add plus five. Okay, with plus five, oh, Nari got a 21. Pine got a 10. And Saman got a 20. I got a, I got another nat one, so that's a three. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. With plus five, Roos got a 17. You guys, you guys, you guys. Oh my gosh, oh my. That's a lot of, uh, um, of max or near max damage on those. This is not a good vibe, dude. <laughs> this is the attack that um, Trophos used against the Snow Patrol and deals 63 damage. Holy yep. crap. If you saved, it is halved. And Nari, actually it's halved again for you because you uh, are resistant to cold. This wind that comes whipping at you is bitingly cold. 
cool. I'm definitely the one who needed that. <laughs> As Trophos moves closer. <gasps> Isn't Pine resistant to cold too? No, Pine is resistant to fire and force. Oh, that's right. So I'm going to have Squire protect me and cut that in half then. Okay. So it looks like the only one who took full damage then would have been Richter. Oh, yeah, he did. And Pine. I took 10. I had a 10 on my constitution. Oh, you did. Okay. Well, that is Trophos' whole turn as he moves closer to you. Richter, it is your turn. Well, that sucks. Um, okay. So let's have Richter. Gosh, I don't even know what to do about that. I mean, the answer is nothing. Can't really do anything about it. Um, I think what I have to do is I've got to get my defense up. So I think I'm going to yell out the frozen blade spells disaster frigid retribution stance and uh, go into the frigid retribution stance so I can give myself some temp HP. Okay. Um, so that'll be my action. And then for my bonus action, I think that's, I think that's it. Yeah. So I'm going to move though and go around Colbury and get closer to Trophos. Okay. Which might be a stupid idea, but then at least there's not another potential for Cone of Cold against everybody. Um, as you move past Colbury, um, Trophos is going to take a legendary action and whip out with this with this snaking um, tentacle of, of air. And that it looks like as it's about to hit, it solidifies uh, and actually smacks at Colbury. And Colbury gets hit for, oh, yep, that's going to hit with a uh, with a 28. And Colbury is going to take the first damage he has been dealt. And that is 17 damage. Pine, it is your turn. You have Avalan. The, uh, the Herald of the Earth is far still off to the west. Looks to be slower and um, more cumbersome. Trophos is the air and moves like lightning. <sighs> Well, I am the Blossoming Storm, so I think I shall take on this uh, pretender. And I will head toward Trophos. Okay. And I'm going to go ahead and uh, make some attacks, because I really can't do anything else. Okay. First attack with the Tabri's Ambassador's Blade level 3 is only a 13. Second attack, it's a 21 to hit. That'll hit. Okay. So it's 12 piercing... Five cold, two radiant, and I will say, unleash with precision, Swordmaster's Fury. And I feel like we got to end this quick, so I'm actually, I'm pulling out a big gun. I'm going to use one of my level threes. Okay. So that is uh, an additional, only 16 more. Okay. And that will be my turn. All right, Pine, your turn is done. It is now Master Saman's turn. Master Saman. Um, having been hit by Trophos, decides to come race over and help you, uh, Pine uh, and Richter. Let's see. He is going to make two attacks. Uh, nope, sorry, three attacks. I forgot. Three attacks. He gets to add eight to these rolls. And that is going to be... Okay, he rolls two natural ones, but he does roll a 27, and he does manage to hit with one of his swings. And that is going to deal 1d8 plus 3 which is going to be six damage plus 4d6 fire, which is eight. So that is a whopping 
14 damage that he deals. He rolled four twos on four d6. <laughs> well, Trophos rolled really well, and then Saman doesn't roll well at all. Oh, really? I is... hadn't noticed that Trophos <laughs> rolled really well. <laughs> I know. On on those d8 rolls, you rolled like the majority of them were like sevens and eights. It was wild. Yes. Yeah, it was, it was 12 d8, Paul. Yes, it was. And of those 12, three were eights and... Yeah, one, two, and three were sevens. Yeah. Bruce, it's your turn. What are you going to do? Bruce is going to run up and stand in between Saman and Richter, and he's going to strike out with his his dagger. Okay. It's a 20 to hit. That will hit, yes. Okay, so then that's 13 radiant and 20 precision for 33 damage. Wow. And then... Okay, I'm going to offhand with my my chakram as well. Um, my offhand was a 19 to hit. That will hit. For 8 psychic damage. So total of, what's that, uh, 41 for the both, hit, both hits. Nice. Nice. That's some big damage, you guys. Um, anything else Roos is going to do? Nope. That'll be it. Trophos for uh, a legendary action is actually going to burn two actions and you see the wind start whipping and whipping and whipping around Trophos. I need everyone within 10 feet of him, which is everybody except for Nari, to make dexterity saving throws. Difficulty 19. And everybody gets to add plus five to that. Thank you for that plus five because that puts me to 19. I got a 12 and failed. Oh no. Ooh. Okay, I rolled an 18, but with the plus five, that's 23. Okay, it looks like Saman saved, Roos saved, Richter saved, Colbury failed, and Pine failed. Those who failed are going to take 2d6 plus 6 bludgeoning damage, which is going to be 12 damage, and you are knocked prone. As Trophos moves up and away towards the middle of the room, closer to Nari. Do we get attacks opportunity? opportunity? Well, let me see... Um, actually, what I am noticing here is um, 100% you guys get a tax opportunity, right? Um, Yay! I'll take mine with disadvantage because I'm prone. That's a 14. That'll miss. Oh, Roos got a 15. That'll miss. <laughs> Richter rolled a nat 1 for an 11. Are you kidding? You gotta stop with the nat 1s, man. This is killing me, guys. Master Saman uh, does manage to hit. Uh, that's gonna be 4 damage plus... I'm glad out of five people, one person was able to hit. Uh, we've got, we got four plus 14 is going to be 18 more damage from <laughs> Master Saman. How's he looking? <laughs> um, he's looking less substantial, that's for sure. So, all right. Um, Roos's turn is up. Trophos has used legendary actions. <laughs> Um, it looks like um, uh, Avalan is just standing, uh, just kind of pulling one leg after the other out of the stone and rock, uh, getting ready to start tromping over towards Nari. But Nari, it is your turn. Trophos, Trophos, the Herald of the Wind, has gotten closer to you. Okay, I recognize that Trophos is the bigger threat, but I think Nari is actually going to go up to Avalan because you might as well get rid of him so that way you're not doubling up on people. Okay. Um, and she is going to swing her axe um, and that is going to be a 24 to hit. That will hit, yes. For 21 damage. What? 
Oh we're coming nice. in again. 14 to hit. That will miss. Okay. And a third time for 29 to hit. That will hit. Which does 19 damage. Okay. How's he looking? Um, believe it or not, with that second blow, you see um, stone and dirt start to fall off of him, like clods of dirt and stuff start to fall off of him. Um, and uh, it looks like he has taken quite the beating already. Okay, I think I'm just going to use my action surge and just go again. I want to okay. get him out of this fight <laughs> so we can just do... So we can all focus on one person. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so 27 to hit, and that does 18 damage. Okay. Uh, 19, does that hit? That will hit, yes. Okay, cool. Uh, so that does 22. Um, Nari? <laughs> with one attack despair. So <laughs> with that second blow, you start to reel back for a third strike, and you see Avalanche form. You know, you know, like dry dirt when it starts, like when it starts to crumble and it's like slough off. He starts to fall apart as dirt and rock fall out of his, out of form, and suddenly there is just this pile of dirt standing in front of you as he just collapses in on himself. And you have defeated Avalan again in one round. <laughs> <laughs> Before Gantern, stay down. We'll talk about him uh, a little bit after this, but yes, okay. So Nara, you still have one more attack left. I don't know if you can reach Trophos or not, um, but actually, I don't think you can. You don't. You don't quite have enough movement to get Trophos. You have hand axes, though. I do. I mean, to be fair, though, I did. I did try to roll a uh, third attack, and it only rolled thirteen. So I don't. I don't think I'd be able to hit him. But if I can, I, I would like to like step a little bit closer. Okay. Cool. Very, very good. All right. Um, Avalan is no more. Trophos is here in the middle of the room, and that brings us to Colbry's turn. Colbry is going to stand up, look at uh, Trophos, and he is going to um, cast a spell. Um, you can see him getting ready to uh, cast the firebolt you've seen him cast before. He has to add eight to this roll. That is going to be a 26. That will hit. And then it's going to deal 3d10 plus 4, which is going to be 26 damage. Holy cow, you guys. One. <laughs> I mean, you're rolling great tonight, Paul. I got to tell you. <laughs> Do you want to start rolling for Jordan? <laughs> yeah, if you wouldn't mind, just... Uh... Well, that is going to bring us back up to the top of the round. And it is Trophos's turn. And we are going to roll to see if he gets back his blast of air that he used last time on a five or a six. That's a five. Are you kidding me? I'm so what? dead. Oh, so dead. No oh, crap. Oh, oh. Holy crap. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. The good oh. news is if he targets this clump of five people, we all get to add you all get to add plus five to your saving throw. Yay. Cool. So I get to add six total. Alright. Uh, here comes a blast of cold, and you're right, it's going at all five of those people. Pine, Master Saman, Colbury, Roos, and Richter are all bunched up together. Constitution saving throw difficulty 19. Pine rolled a 15. There is no way he survives this. Roos got a 16. Uh, Richter got a 15. Saman and Colbury also failed. 
my gosh. Holy crap! <laughs> Holy crap! You're gonna kill us all. Nari, it's all up to you. <laughs> here we go. All right, here comes the blast of cold. Yeah. It is 12d8. Holy crap, that's a yeah, huge roll. Dude, oh you rolled even God. more. You rolled out of 12, you rolled five of them as eights. Oh. That's a total of 45. That is 76 damage. I am, yeah, I'm way, way. Everybody goes down. This whole side of the room is down. Um, Nari. Hey, what you guys doing over there? Just chilling. Nari. <laughs> okay, here's the deal. Oh my gosh. All right, here's the deal. We have a few people's turns to get to before Nari. Actually, everybody gets to go before Nari except for Colbury. Okay? So, come on, Paul. That was so messed up. Dude, it's the dice telling their story. You guys, uh, you guys, I, for all of our listeners, I roll in front of the board every time. Yep. So my players saw me roll a five to get the, to get the weapon back. And then they saw all the damage rolls. see Richter, make a death saving throw for me, please. Yes. Here we go. Here we go. A four. Oh, jeez. That's a fail. Pine, make a death saving throw for me, please. (laughs) What if I don't want to? No, I'm not gonna. Oh my gosh. That's a six. Oh my gosh. You guys. guys. Okay. Master Saman's gonna make a save. He saves with the 15. Of course he did. (laughs) Right? Bruce, make a death saving throw. Oh no. That's a five. What the? Oh my gosh, you guys. Oh my gosh. Nari, it is your turn. Cool. Um, okay. As you are standing there, you see all of your allies have been knocked down by this blast of wind that just buffeted them with this cold energy. Um, You also see Trophos turn towards you, the last standing member of Nari and the boys, and you can see that Trophos is incredibly insubstantial. The cloak that makes up their body is disappearing and the wisps of smoke and mist are are more and more faint. It seems that this is this being is barely holding itself together. What are you going to do? Honestly, same girl. I feel that. Okay. <laughs> um, I am <laughs> I am actually going to I'm going to try to move around as far as I can. One, two, so I'm going to try to move around um, Trophos so I can be closer to my boys okay. in case I need to do anything. Um, but then once I'm around them, I will take a swing for 29 to hit. That will hit. For 18 damage. Nari, why don't you tell me what happens oh, as geez. you strike Trophos, the Herald of Air, who had 16 hit points left. I kind of imagine as I strike them, they sort of become almost translucent and like flicker, kind of like a bad TV image as they disappear uh, into wherever the hell they go. Okay. Trophos 
disperses, just turns to mist, which disperses um, incredibly quickly. And we're not cueing victory music yet. Nari, with the rest of your movement, you can reach Colbry, Salmon, and Pine. And with a bonus action, you can use a potion if you want to. But then that's the end of your turn, and then we are making more death saves. Uh, yeah. Um, I am going to run up to Mr. Pine. Sorry, Salmon and Colbry, but... Um... <laughs> And I am going to use, I think I have a potion of greater healing in here. You guys um, have bought a ton of them, so I, you guys have to have some potions left over. Yeah, no, I definitely have a, a few. Uh, so that is 15 healing points to nice. Mr. Pine. So hopefully he feels a little bit better. Okay, Mr. Pine, your eyes flutter open as uh, Nari uh, dumps a potion down your throat you instantly can see the situation around you is dire. But oh, yeah. you also can tell that the that the heralds seem to no longer be a threat. Okay. All right. Okay. Now it is time for Librarian Colbury to make his first death saving throw. That is a pass. Okay. Back up to the top. Richter, it is your turn. Don't Come on, roll big a money. Make, oh, a save, make a death saving Stop rolling ones. On. I'll do what I want. You can't stop me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh. I got a 15. Oh my okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. Richter, you passed. You have one fail and one save. Mr. Pine, it is your turn. You are, your eyes flutter open. You see your allies are lying on the floor dying. You see um, Nari beautifully standing over you, gifting you this <laughs> potion, her hair flowing in the wind like a goddess. Nari, I think, um, I think I revere you now. <laughs> <laughs> As you should, Mr. Pine. I believe the correct response is, yas, queen, slay. <laughs> 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 okay, looking around, seeing that, I mean, can I tell that Colbury has passed, Salmon has passed, and Roos and Richter both have a fail? Yeah, it looks like, yeah, you can tell that Roos and Richter look to be in worse shape, yes. Okay, all right, I'm going to run over to Roos and Richter, where it have just conveniently right next to each other, and I'm going to use my action to give uh, five points of commander's morale to Roos. Okay, thank you, sir. Uh, and then I'm going to use... My bonus action to give a potion to Richter. Okay. It's just a normal healing potion. So that would be five healing. So I give you guys both five healing. There you go. Nice. All right. Pine, your your turn is up. It is now Master Samen's turn. He's going to make another death saving throw. Another pass. All right. Roos, your eyes flutter open. You see Salmon and Colbry lying next to you. You see Richter's eyes are opening. You see uh, Pine literally taking his hand off of your forehead from where he gave you some commander's morale. Roos will sit up and and uh, and assess the situation real quick and offer a, one of his potions of greater healing and just kind of uh, give it to Master Salmon. Okay. It rolled really poorly. I only got 12. Okay. Uh, yeah, so he gets 12, 12 hit points. Okay. And that will be my turn. All right, Nari, it is your turn. Colbry is still unconscious. Everyone else is waking up. 
All right, Nari is going to uh, go over to Cobri and um, basically just do uh, lay on hands and make him become stable. Okay. All right, you stabilize Colbury. Nari and the boys, Master Saman and Librarian Colbury, stand in this room, the lair of Trophos and Avalan, the Heralds of Air and Earth. And we are going to cue victory music. Woo. Woo. Oh my goodness. What a resounding victory, guys. We really killed it. Hey, guys, I need a nap. I need a nap bad. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I'm feeling fine. Like, I'm feeling great. 10 I, out of 10. I would love a short rest, a little lie down for a minute. Holy crap. Hey, guys. Holy crap. I can only imagine it gets worse from here. Well, I mean, we passed the room of two heralds, and then there's two here, so... Hopefully, fingers crossed, we just have a Mavi in the next one, but a Mavi should be pretty close to full strength. Cool, cool, good, yeah. good vibes. I think this is where they came to recover after they were defeated. Well, they're definitely recovering. Yeah, especially that uh, poor Avalanche, man, that guy, like, out of all the heralds, he just... Kind of like, you know, <laughs> they needed to fill up the five and like, yeah, he was, <laughs> they, had to, they had to bring him up from the miners, from the farm league. He's the Billy of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. <laughs> Billy was bad. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> um, as you guys are talking, uh, Saman actually pulls out a, uh, a healing potion and will um, give Colbury um, a couple of hit points to kind of wake him up. Right. Do you, do you think it's safe enough for us to rest? Take an hour? I think we have to. If I don't rest, I don't survive this next fight. Agreed. I don't think I'd be any use to anyone. And if oh. I rest, I get another action surge, so hell yeah, brother. <laughs> <laughs> okay, new plan. Nari goes in first, kills everything, <laughs> and then we'll follow. Uh... Colbury kind of he as he's as he sits up and you guys are talking about taking uh taking a little break in here he actually um he reaches into his carpet bag that he's had with him um and he reaches way down inside like all the way up to his elbow or I mean up to his shoulder uh, way deeper than it should go and he pulls out um he pulls out a great a potion of greater healing for each of you so you can each have a potion of greater healing on top of whatever hit die you want to burn I'm gonna pocket that potion of greater healing <laughs> yeah. five sure Oh, we got a massive 11. Oh, geez. Bruce so drank it immediately so and got nine. 15. 11. Nari got 16. She's feeling good. Are we taking a short rest, though? We're we rolling those dice I as well. I think we have to. I'm still at quarter Yeah, health. I thought that's what yeah. we were doing. Yeah. Maybe we should uh, uh, Yeah, maybe we should talk about a strategy before we go into the next room. Jeez. Yeah. Uh, Colbry and Salmon are going to start burning hit dice as well. I mean, I'm using them all. Yeah, Colbury is not quite back to full, and Saman is not quite back to full either. Okay, I didn't have to use them all. I still got up to, to full hit points. But, man, that was... That, that really sucked. <laughs> <laughs> Two breath weapons in a row, and you guys were all bunched together. Whew. 
All right. So as Nari and the boys and their allies, Saman and Colbri, uh, figure out their healing um, and rest for about an hour, you guys are looking around this room. It looks very similar to the one you had just left, uh, including the dais with the altar and the orb on it and a door at the north end of the room, which looks identical to the one that you entered in through. Well, do we want to touch base with uh, Iramil before we go into the next room? Whose turn is it? (laughs) Roos gives the orb the bird and says, hopefully he gets the message and continues walking past. Honestly, that seems like the best idea. Nari's going to follow and just kind of keep going towards that door and and walk through. I got to say, though, it was pretty interesting to find out that he doesn't assume victory. I think I think Richter actually would go up and touch it one more time. No, it's my turn. Jesus my turn. Christ, you guys. I want to tell him to suck it. <laughs> it's just right there. It's like begging for me to touch it. As you guys go up to touch it, uh, Pine and Richter will say you touched it at the same time. Um, and again, your eyes roll back and an instant you... You guys do a Freaky Friday thing and you exchange <laughs> bodies and learn all about each other's lives. Oh, I heard they're making a sequel... And Jamie Lee Curtis and uh, Lindsay Lohan are going to be in it. Are you joking? I am not joking. That's amazing. All right. Um, Richter and Pine, you both reach out. You touch this orb at the same time, and instantly you hear a voice in your head that both of you recognize um, from your time with Ramsey. The whole time, Pine is just thinking, suck it, suck it, suck it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) As you guys touch this, you realize that it's almost like a recording. It's a message not a communication, like not back and forth. It's a one-way message. And this is what you hear in your head. I realize you meddle because you do not understand. Why is it called inevitable if it's not certain? Because the alternative is unfathomable. The solution is so basic that the smartest and most intelligent mortals cannot comprehend the simplicity of what must be. Pavantis is in shambles. This entire plane of existence continues to fall apart. Crystallization threatened to consume everything, and the solution was to break the continent. A people are enslaved in metal bodies by their own hands, and to free them of their mistake, the very forces of life and nature are consumed, scarring Pavantis again. And these are just your doings. Everywhere. Always, Pavantis changes, becomes more than it was ever meant to be. More and more the changes build on one another, corrupting bit by bit this very existence. What is the inevitable? An ending. Surely you've figured this out by now. But why must there be an ending, and why do I race so quickly towards it? Entropy. Chaos. Pavantis must be purged before its chaotic nature spreads any more than it already has. Already one from beyond this plane, the being you call Moshe thrashes in agony and anger, spreading more and more entropy throughout Pavantis. Others have died completely attempting to stop what must be, and even the Arbiter of Karma, Jaffa, has tipped the scale more than she should. The entropy of Pavantis threatens all of existence, so you see it is my duty to protect existence, and I do this by bringing an end to this world called Pavantis. And snap, you guys are back where you were uh, almost as if you've been shocked your hands poof, recoil off the orb so pine started that going suck it suck it suck it and he comes away saying yeah i guess we do kind of suck 
<laughs> you guys gotta stop touching that thing. No, it's very interesting. No, like, wash your hands first. I mean, you don't know where that orb has been. Pine starts smelling his fingers. <laughs> gotcha. Oh my gosh, guys, this is what this is what he just told us. Basically, Pavantis is too chaotic, and its influence is impacting existence as a whole. Existence? What do you mean? There's existence outside of this world? No, there, I, I find it hard to believe there's existence outside of myself. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I feel like I'm the only person who matters. <laughs> you guys are all NPCs yeah. in my story. <laughs> That's right. You're all a simulation. Yes, yes. Anyway, oh no, the, the, um, he, he wants to end everything because he sees the, the chaos of life here as tainting everything else. What, he, what everything else is, I don't know. I only know this place. Um, but I think I think he wants his picture-perfect little, you know, I think he's President Business from the Lego movie. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like he just, he wants, he doesn't understand what life is. He wants life to be whatever his desires are, which isn't what life is. I understand a little bit, perhaps, why he feels the way he feels. It's difficult to sometimes, when all you see is the entropy and the chaos of the world around you, to to see a point to all of it. Um, but it it is the nature of all things to to wrestle in balance entropy versus you know creation uh, life itself builds on top of chaos into increasingly complex things that is just the beauty of this whole existence I'm more convinced now than ever that we must put an end to this creature you almost sound like Ebby there Richter yeah, you made my heart sad for a moment. Yes. Deborah sounded like a wonderful person. <laughs> and someday I hope to learn more about this Debbie. Cobra says, so it's not a battle of good versus evil. It's a battle of order versus chaos. Ah, the other axis of the alignment table. <laughs> hmm. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. <laughs> the left to right axis versus the top to bottom. That'd be the x-axis versus the y-axis. But imposing order on other people is not right. Right, and I would imagine that that there be chaos is probably an element that that this angel would accept as fact, but is it that it is a chaos that it does not control that is problematic in its mind? Well, he's, a, he's an angel. He comes from realms of order as far as I understand the cosmology of things. You know, he talked about, he mentioned Lord Moshe being wounded and adding to the chaos and entropy here on Pavantis. But, Bruce, isn't, wasn't Lady Jaffa worried about ending as well? As far as we know, this isn't, Pavantis isn't her realm. Sounds like more than just an end to Pavantis. It sounds like an end to everything. This uh, chaos and order... Order to one person is chaos to another. It's all a matter of perspective. If he's trying to put impose his order upon the world, 
that looks like chaos to us. That massive wave that devastated Almar, the destruction that his his order has placed upon our world, that is chaos. It's just a matter of perspective. He's off base and needs to be stopped. Corby says perspective and sounds like scale as well. He's looking at chaos from a macro view, not the micro perspectives that we have. I was going to say, then let's be this chaos to his order and end his schemes. You'd think all of his time as Ramsey, he'd like maybe learn from individuals that there's a, there's a beauty if you look more closely at the individual lives being lived. You know, it's like you got your Old Testament and it's all like peoples and peoples getting destroyed and then you got your New Testament and it's all like Jesus loves individuals. I'll probably cut that because that's kind of bit, that's kind of bible <laughs> who, who is this Jesus? This G- Jesus? Nari's Jesh- been talking about him for a long wait, time. Wait. <laughs> Fine, are you talking about cheese? Did you mean G- to say cheeses? Jeebus. It's uh, with a B. I, I'm pretty sure, Nari, didn't you say that, that he was your primary school teacher? Your <laughs> antiquitous right. primary That's school right. teacher? Right. <laughs> oh, I forgot, I forgot about that. <laughs> Oh, gosh. All right. Well, as Nari and the boys with their allies, Colbury and Saman, uh, discuss this latest message from Iramil here in the chamber of Trophos and Avalan, the two now dead heralds, we are going to stop there for tonight. I thought we were dead. Oh, my oh gosh. Oh, my gosh. That was such a close thing. Holy yeah, cow. I thought that we was, were dead, too. That was the closest that Nari and the boys have come to a party wipe since the Wall of Fire. I think. Yeah. And that was, you rolled, so 12d8, five of them were eights. <laughs> yeah, it was nuts. That was insane. You can go damage. straight to hell, Paul. That's all I'm going to say. Honestly, that sounds like cheating. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. All right, guys. Hey, thank you for listening here to episode, uh, what was this, episode 114? Holy cow. You guys, it's only getting more intense and more dangerous for Nari and the boys. So uh, tune in next week as we delve deeper into this layer of Iramil, the angel of inevitability. Same bat time, same bat channel. That's right. Because you said tune in like they're like yeah. listening on a radio. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, yeah. Don't forget, um, we have a Patreon. Uh, you can check out when I stream on Twitch. And um, I'm also putting those streams up on YouTube now. So if you miss it, you can pick it up later uh, and just come hang out with us. And until we get together next time, we hope you have a great time.